Hi, this is Rebecca, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. I think that because you've tuned in, you will learn more about the ways of the Lord. At St. Peter's, we believe that we have been called by God to share the joy and love of Jesus Christ. We hope that these next few minutes will captivate your mind and heart by the transforming Word of God. To find out more about St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us at stpeterslakemary.org. The angel said to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would break through our hard hearts this morning through the hearing of your word. And that through the, the frail vessel that I am your servant, that you would make your gospel to go forth that it would be heard, that you might receive the glory. Through Christ Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Every so often in, in my ministry, as I, I think about my work among you, um, Ephesians 3 comes to mind a lot. And uh, I like to take my cues from St. Paul um, the best that I can. Everything that good, that's good in me is largely the grace of God and the model of St. Paul. And everything that isn't, well, that's just me. So uh, I, I, this, this prayer motivates me in everything that I do here. Paul is talking to the Ephesians. This is in chapter 3. And he says, I bow my knees before the Father. He's in fervent prayer for them. The Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a big concept, isn't it? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded, in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the, the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God that's what the Lord wants for you and in my own imperfect way that's what I want for you that's what Paul wanted for all of us. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. Christ dwelling in our hearts. Being rooted and grounded in love. That's a really solid phrase, isn't it? Rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? With your heart. That you would just you just know it. And finally, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. That's His will for you. It's glorious. But our lives so often feel unglorious. Yeah. Very mundane, normal. Ordinary, unremarkable, sinful. 
does this kind of stuff really happen today? What kind of confidence? How do, how do we get confidence that, that this is really what God has for us and that He really means it and that He really wants to do this in us? I mean, you know, why would He bother with people like us? I mean, I, I'm, I'm nobody from a small town in Michigan, you know, thousands of small towns just like it across the country, right? Millions of kids just like me growing up in small towns. I'm nobody from nowhere. And I think most of you are nobody from nowhere too, yeah? So where do we get this confidence? And where do we, how do we get in touch with this stuff? All these good things that God wants to do in us. Well, the answer is, is quite simple and plain. Um, it's only coming from the Word of God and from prayer. You've heard that from me before, haven't you? I'm going to keep saying it so we all get it. It only comes from the Word of God. And what I want to do this morning is look at a couple of these, these two stories we've got here of David and, and Mary. Because you see, that's how we gain confidence in God is by looking at what he's done in the past in people. How he's worked in the lives of other people. And, and then we get his, his promises in the words. So he see, we see what he does in their lives and then we see what he tells them and the sort of things he has for them. And how he... He works his purposes and accomplishes his will in their life. And then we begin to maybe wonder if something like that might be able to happen to me too. That's the jump we're meant to make when we open God's word. Look at what God is doing in other people's lives. And then ask him to come and do the same thing in us. That's really simple, isn't it? Why don't we do it more often, huh? <laughs> You know, let's look at David for a minute. You know, David was a kid from a podunk town. You know, the tribe of Benjamin was the smallest of all the tribes, and, and Bethlehem, his hometown, was, was nothing special. Just a small town and the smallest of the tribes, no big deal. And then the great prophet and judge Samuel rolls into town one day looking for one of Jesse's sons. And he goes through each of David's older brothers, and you know, yeah, I think you, you remember the story, huh? Not this one, not that one. Boy, that one's really tall and strong, not him either. And then, and then he, he has to turn to, to Jesse and say, are these all your boys? He goes, well, there's David. He's out there. Nobody cares about him, though. He's out minding the sheep. Samuel says, I'm not going anywhere until I see all your sons, so call him in. Call him in from the fields. And behold, he's the one that God wants. The smallest kid from the smallest town and the smallest tribe. He's the object of God's mercy. And he's anointed as king. And then, here we are in our reading today. We fast forward and, and God accomplishes everything in David that he said he would. He... he, he he uses him to defend Israel from all of its foes and defeat their enemies, and he's a man after God's own heart. And, 
And then we find him today, he's sort of, he's established in his kingdom now. And he says, all right, I, I'm, I'm in a house of cedar. I've got this glorious palace. I was out in the pasture forever. But now I'm in the palace, and I'm secure in my reign. He says, I'm going to do something for God now. God's done all this for me. Now I'm going to do something for the Lord. And the prophet Nathan says, hey, that's, that's a good idea. Go, go do that. But then the Lord interrupts the whole process by coming to Nathan in a dream, yeah? And, and then, so Nathan goes back, and he, and he says to David, you know, here's what the Lord said. He's, he says, my son, this isn't how it works. I don't need anything from you. I don't need you to do something for me. You're the object of my mercy, in essence, he's saying. I chose you because I love you. I don't need a thing from you. I just want your heart. I just want you. And he reminds him, he says, you know, I took you from the pasture. I brought you out of obscurity. You were nobody. And I raised you up for my purposes. He says, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. He goes from following sheep to the one leading the sheep, yeah? Quite the transition. Quite the transformation. And he says, so you want to build something for me. My son, I don't need anything from you. I mean, look at all the stuff God did for him in verse 9. He says, I have been with you wherever you went. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones on the earth. Does it sound like God needs David? It's the other way around, isn't it? David needs the Lord every step of the way. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it, God says. I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed. You think you're the shepherd of the sheep? David, you're not. I am. I'm going to do all this stuff. I will plant them. I will defend them. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. And then he goes on to say what's more. Not only are you not going to build a temple for me, a house for me. He says, I will make you a house. That's how it's going to go. I do all these things and I'm going to do it for you. And for my glory. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And of course, he's talking about the ascendance of great David's greater son, yeah, Jesus Christ, the king who rules without fail. David is not the hero in this story. God is. And his son, Jesus Christ, the king who will not fail, who will not fall, who gave his life as a ransom for many. It's remarkable. And I still remember when this passage first impressed me, the grace in it. 
of God's extravagant love for us and what he wants to do in our lives. Um, my wife might remember this. We were on the way back from our honeymoon. And I'm reading in Samuel just randomly. And I come across this verse and I start weeping on the plane. Do you remember that? Yeah, she was embarrassed. Like, what are you doing? You're making a scene. But I felt the promise and the presence of God so strongly speaking to me, His grace. It's just remarkable. The most important passages in the Bible for me this morning. Before Mike healed, I was like coaching him on how to read it this morning. So, Emily, you were spared. Where's she going? Anyway, <laughs> Emily was spared from my coaching, but it's, it means so much to me because of its power in my life. There she is. David is just the object of God's mercy and love. That's all he was. And when he was at his best, he rested in God's love. And when he went off the rails, it's because he wasn't resting in God's love and God's power and providence. So that's David. Let's look at Mary for a minute. We don't know Mary's lineage for sure, but it seems like she was probably also the family of David, sort of a distant, you know, relative and, and married into the family, you know, in the extended family, Joseph being in the house of David and all that. But at, this, at the end of the day, she was just another kid from a podunk town. Galilee was the backwater for the Jewish people. And Nazareth was, was just another small town. Mary was completely unremarkable to the people around her, just another nice girl. And David got a couple of prophets in his life. Mary gets an angel, one of the greatest, named Gabriel. And he shows up and gives her that wonderful greeting that we heard in our gospel. Hail, O favored one. Don't be afraid. You found favor with God. She's like, me? Yeah, you. <laughs> you found favor with God. And you'll conceive and bear a son. You should call his name Jesus. His name will be He'll be great, He'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. You see, Mary needed a little less context than, than I think David did even, thanks in part to the fact that she grew up reading the Bible. He doesn't, the angel doesn't have to explain you know, she doesn't say, well, what do you mean David? And who's this? What was the promise again? He just had to reference it, and she knew, and she was tracking, and she was with him. And she'd had other, because of her time in the Word and being brought up with the old stories of faith of the people of God, she knew that this sort of thing was not really all that unheard of before. I mean, Samuel, the one who anointed David to be king, he himself was a miraculous birth, miraculous conception. You know, and so he knew the promise of Samuel's mother, Hannah. And she knew, going even back farther, that um, even Isaac was born miraculously, miraculous conception of one who's as good as dead, Abraham and Sarah, yeah? And so she knows all these stories, and she knows this is how God works, and this is how he rolls. And so she doesn't have any doubt or anything, but she just wonders. She's like, wait, all these other women were married. I'm not married. How's this going to work exactly? Well, the Holy Spirit will come, you know, overshadow you and 
and all that. And behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm yours, Lord. Do with me what you will. It's the word of faith. She knew this is the sort of thing God's, God does. Celestin, when he was here, he told me this wonderful saying that they have in Uganda. At one point, I, you know, we were saying, well, God is good. And, and he goes, it's in his nature. He can't help it. <laughs> and that's, that's a good line for us, I think, today. God is good. He can't help it. It's in his nature. That's his, that is his nature. What else is he going to do? How else is he going to be? He's going to be good and he's going to love us. See, Mary knew that he couldn't help it. It's, in his, it's his nature. And he, she knew that the Lord was, you know, in the habit of bringing children and, and hope and life and his purposes and in the midst of impossible situations. Bringing about his purposes and power and glory in the places we would least likely expect it. That's a good word for us today, isn't it? You know, I, I want you to uh, hear David's reaction to this. We don't have it in our reading, but if you go on a little bit in 2 Samuel 7, you'll find it. So the prophet brings this glorious promise to David. And just so much grace and mercy. And David's response is this. It says, Then King David went in, and sat before the Lord. That's a nice image, isn't it? The king going in and sitting before the Lord. He says, Who am I? Are you kidding me? Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that you have brought me thus far? He received that word of the Lord. I, you, I, I was nothing. I was in the pasture. I was sunburnt. My lips were chapped and I was all stinky. And you brought me out of that and put me here and give me this promise. Who in the world am I to receive this? And as great a thing as that is to take a nobody and put him on the throne of Israel, he says, and that was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. It was like nothing for you to do that. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. I mean, forever. And this is instructions, wisdom for mankind, O Lord God. What more can David say to you? What else can I say? Your goodness and your power. He's, you know your servant, O Lord God. You're mindful of me, he's saying. Because of your promise. This is what I want you to hear. Because of your promise, and according to your own heart, Lord, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you. There is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And he goes on and on for a while. And he ends with saying, And now, Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. That is the kind of praise and reaction that God can bring out of you and me when he visits us. And he shows us something of his nature and his character his promise and what he wants for us according to his heart. And we would just say, who am I? Who am I that you would love me like this, that you would do these kinds of things for me and give me these promises? Who am I? Glory be to God.
And then Mary, her reaction, maybe a little more familiar. Mary just said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Behold, from now on, all generations will call me, little old me, blessed. And is he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And I want to add to generation and generation to generation to generation to generation today to you and me. His mercy is for those who fear him, who stand in awe of his, his generosity and his mercy and his love. He's looked on the humble estates of his servants. And he's ready to do great things for us. Why? Because of his promise, going back to David, because of his promise and according to his heart and the way he loves and feels about you and me. So here's the principle I want you to get this morning. What is in God's heart? What is his character? What is his intentions for us? Well, he's clearly in the business of taking people out of difficult and humbling and sinful obscure circumstances and working His glory in their lives. That's a good word this morning, isn't it? That's how He rolls. That's, that's what He does. That's who He is. He can't help it. It's His nature. David got prophets. Mary gets an angel. And what, you get me or something? Is that... Sorry. No. No, you see, the glory of the gospel is that you don't simply get it. I mean, you get messengers, whatever. I'm not important. See, the gospel is that God himself comes to the downtrodden. God himself comes to the nobodies, to the sinners, to the broken, to the hot messes, to the dumpster fire lives. That is us, the clumsy, the unlikely, the inept, the incompetent. I could go on and on. I'm just talking about people like you and me. <laughs> when we open up God's word, we see what he did in them, and we hear his promises, and our hearts and our ears hear him calling out to us. It's the same God that came to them is coming to you right now. In the hearing of his word, he comes to you any time in prayer. The God of David and Mary and, and Hannah and Sarah and Abraham and all the rest, in his power and mercy and love, is calling you and me to be united to him with them so he can work his glory in our lives. How do we know this is true? We have to look at what he's done in times past. And we have to hear his promises in Christ. There's no substitute for that. It's got to come from the word of God. It's got to come from the scriptures. And the difficulty of all this is that many of us struggle to even feign interest in the word of God. 
is sitting up on our shelves or gathering dust on our bedside table or whatever. And it remains an impenetrable mystery to many of us. That's why we don't even bother. We pick it up, we read it, and we're like, I don't know what this is saying, and you just go on with your day. Or maybe it's spoken to you in the past when you've opened up before. But your heart is great today. My friend, that is a miscalculation. Nothing is less true. We cannot despise its message because if we will open it up, we will hear the same voice calling. I've built a house for you, the Lord says. Greetings, favored one. These are the words that he says to people like us. And it's what he's telling you now. And yet we despise its message when we don't recall it daily. I need it every day. I wake up just as stupid as I did the day before. And I have all the same stupid problems and stupid anxieties and concerns and things that make me go, ugh, again, you know? I don't roll out of bed. Sometimes I drop out of bed. Anybody relate? Why do we, why don't we have a spring in our step? I mean, arthritis aside. What, what, what keeps us from just, God, Why don't we enter daily into the presence of the mighty one who calls us and tells us all these wonderful things? Well, it's the power of sin in our lives. Making our hearts hard, making our ears dull. But the freedom that we have in Christ and his blood on the cross means you are not under any obligation to obey that. You are not kept under its thumb anymore. You can shake it off. You, with God's help, you defy its power. You can pick that Bible up. You can crack open its pages and you can whisper a prayer saying, Lord, speak to me. Come to me. Help me. I so desperately need you. I'm nobody and I'm going nowhere unless you work in my life. But you have to pick it up to know its power. And you have to utter that prayer and be open. The Word of God is forever powerful. It is eternal. Its power is not any less than it was in days of old. We just have to come into its presence and see what He has for us. So if you want to have a great Christmas, there you go. Dust off the Bible, crack it open, start reading. Start with the Christmas story, why not, right? If you want to have a terrible, com a terrible Christmas, like every other mediocre, disappointing Christmas, try to get your confidence out of your circumstances. When you do that, you're done. See, and this year, I think this Christmas is especially a fertile environment for this, what I'm talking about here. Because, I mean, has there ever been a sort of more down and subdued and disappointing and mundane, challenging Christmas? I don't think it's been for a while. Anything like this, huh? You know, it just, we feel downtrodden and, and we feel very normal and ordinary and whatever, you know, wah, wah, wah. That's Christmas season for many of us this year. 
It's good for us to have our confidence in our circumstances shaken. For us to long for more that we know this world cannot give because that will turn us into his word and turn us onto our knees in prayer. Times like this create the spiritual conditions that are ideal for the entrance of Christ and his mercy. So if you think God is somehow frustrated by this whole circumstance, au contraire, mon frere, he's in the zone. <laughs> and he wants to come to you. And if you will enter into your closet and pray, and if you'll open his word, you'll find that he can come to you. His promise is good, and he will make good on it. And soon by his grace, you'll start to sound like David. When he comes to you, you're going to be like, are you kidding me? Who am I? That the Lord of the universe would come to me. Or like Mary, you know, you're just stunned with the awesome purposes of God and his grace. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And those will be words that organically flow out of your inner being in response to the work of the Holy One of Israel. I find something very uh, defiant in Christmas in the advent of our Lord coming in. You know, he's, he's, he comes in in the face of, 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 of the strength of suffering and injustice and sin and death and our own ordinariness. I mean, nothing is a better contrast to illustrate how God can come into any circumstance than angels singing and a star shining over this little measly stable. The stable is your life Manure and all. That doesn't stop the angels from singing over you. And it does not stop the king of glory from coming in. I don't care what your circumstances are. He says, number one, all these things, the fact that he came, says, number one, these circumstances are not pleasing to his will, and he's going to do something about it. And it says also that he's come to do just that, to reckon with these circumstances and to deal with them. And the fact that he's actually come once to start the job means he's going to come back and finish it. Is he the kind of God who um, starts the job and then drops it halfway through? Is that who he is? Of course not. He's not going to drop what he came to do. He's not going to walk away and forget about it. And he's not going to drop you. His purposes will be accomplished in you. Those are his promises. And that's the affections of his heart. That's just who he is. It's his nature. So the one who loves you He's calling to you and to me. And he's saying, I've built my house. And I want you with me. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That's a good word, huh? And I could keep going. I mean, the angels that came, what did they say? Unto you is born this day in the city of David of all places a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then we have this promise in John. I won't do this all morning, but we'll, we'll end on this one. 
to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Do you see how crazy my life is knowing all of this stuff and then wanting you to have it? It drives me to my wit's end sometimes. Because I want it so badly for you. And I'm like, I barely get it myself. You know, I, I know it up here, but knowing it in here, two different things. I drive myself insane trying to get this across to you guys. And I don't know how to do it all the time. That's all I want for you. Is to receive him. And know that you have the right to become a child of God. I mean, he remade the world when Christ came in and he began his victory over sin and death there through a shepherd centuries ago, right? Millennia ago. Through, through people like David. And then especially through Mary, this young girl. Surely he's capable of winning the victory over sin and death in little old you and me. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we're so ordinary, unremarkable, and yet in your purposes and according to your heart, you've chosen us, you've called to us, because you have glorious purposes for our lives. And that you are full of mercy and grace and love. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust your love. To receive it. To rest in it. That we might know your unmerited favor. And your glorious purposes for us in you. Speak in our hearts, Lord, and bring us home to that beautiful house that you have made for us through your son, Jesus Christ. For your glory, for your name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. To find out more about how to get involved at St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us online at stpeterslakemary.org. We would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or thoughts info at stpeterslakemary.org.